what I'm about to say is going to piss off a lot of people. Hijab is a symbol of oppression. Hijab is, is one of the main pillars of this foundation of this Islamic Republic, and it's been completely broken. This is a huge blow to the Islamic Republic. This is only the beginning of a much, much bigger movement, in my opinion. Hey everybody, welcome to my podcast. I'm Michaela Peterson. I had King Rom on my podcast yesterday to discuss the Iranian protests that are going on right now because a 22-year-old girl named Masa was killed because her hair was showing outside of her hijab. So I know in the West we have a couple of narratives around the hijab and Islam and you can be considered Islamophobic if you talk about how the hijab can be oppressive. But in a society where if your hair is outside of it, you can be taken by the morality police and killed, that counts as oppressive. So I had King Ram on to discuss what it looks like in Iran, what people should know about around the world, and what people can do to help. So I hope you guys learn something. I hope the citizens win this time. Ram, welcome to my podcast. Thank you for having me, Michaela. Thank you very much for coming on. Um, before we get started, can you give a brief background about who you are and what it is you do? Um, I'm a musician and podcaster. I do some acting. Um, I'm currently in Manchester right now working on a theater project. Um, it's funny because I'm sort of known as the Iranian Joe Rogan in a sort. So we'll talk about that later if you want, about my podcast and how it sort of became a, a bigger sort of political and cultural movement in itself. Uh, but yeah, that's basically what I do. Okay, well, thank you very much for joining me. Um, I wanted to cover the protests in Iran and what's happening um, to learn more myself and because I think that's something people worldwide should know more about. So we're going to get into that. So this is a more serious topic today. Um, could you could you describe for me what is happening right now in Iran in regards to the protests? Yes, absolutely. Um, and, but just before I start, I just want to name, if you don't mind, several of the people who have been killed in the protests because sometimes I feel like, you know, these people, they just turn into another number, another statistic. And it's, it's so unfortunate. These were people who had lives, who had ambitions, who had dreams and we're just standing up for something right, something that they believed in. So if you don't mind, I'm just gonna name a couple of the people who have been killed so far. We start off obviously with Mahsa Amini, the first person who was killed in this, in this movement. Hanakia, Hadith Najafi, Minu Majidi, Ghazal Chalabi, Fuad Qadimi, Reza Lotfi, Mohsen Muhammadi, Mohsen Qaysari, Hossein Alikia, Amin Marufi, who was only 16 years old. Oh. And Farjad Darvish, Erfan Qazai. I mean, the list goes on, but I just, I just wanted to pay my respects to those families and to send my condolences. Um, it's, it's really terrifying what's happening, and I, and I really appreciate actually you, actually that you, that you've had me as a guest on your show to, to use this opportunity and, and this platform to talk more about what's, what's happening right now, because I think it's, it's important for the non-Iranian uh, audience to also understand what's happening on the streets and why it's important to their worlds as well. Um, and how sometimes there's this misconception of, oh, it's not, you know, there, there might, it might be Islamophobic to talk about certain things or it's not culturally appropriate, but we'll get into all of that. But basically what happened was Mahsa Amini was this um, young 22-year-old student from Saqqiz, Kurdistan province from a very, you know, uh, normal, middle-class, semi-traditional type of family who was just visiting friends and family in Tehran um, on, on a holiday trip. 
and she gets pulled over um, in, in the car with her family. And mind you, she, she only has like a little bit of, of, of a couple of strands of her hair out. It's not like some crazy, very exotic or over-the-top uh, type of look that she has. This is a very, very normal look. And the morality police, you know, take her out and, and arrest her on, on, on charges of, of her bad hijab. And um, while she's taken away, to be brief, she's beaten really bad and severely to the point where, you know, the, the, the photos later showed that she was bleeding from her ears. There was congealed blood. <sighs> and um, she then, while she's waiting to be briefed uh, at the detention center, she, she apparently collapses and goes into a coma and then dies two days later. And this is another crazy part of the story that is that a journalist um, by the name of Nilufar Hamidi happens to take a photo of her in her in, in her state of, of being in a coma. And that photo just goes viral and just goes all across the nation. And now Nilufar Hamidi, the same photographer who took that photo, is arrested. Oh. This is it's this is how insane it is. Like the way that the, the Islamic Republic of Iran is trying to cover their tracks and the killing of this innocent girl by first, you know, after Mahsa I Amini, mean, they've detained the, the photographer. Now they're killing people in the streets, all to convince people that they didn't kill her in the first place. You know, it's just it's such a messed up situation. And basically the death of Mahsa has just struck such a deep nerve with the entire society of people in Iran. And people are just absolutely outraged by her death because this she represents everyone. She's just a normal person who wasn't political. She never tweeted anything political. She never wrote anything political. She didn't do anything in her life. Came from a regular middle-class family. No political affiliations whatsoever. And she died for nothing. And, you know, there's this... I don't remember who it was in World War II. They said first they came for the socialists, then they came for the so-and-so. And, and, and in our country, you know, it's after the 1979 revolution, you know, the, at first um, the new government had promised that they wouldn't enforce hijab. And um, slowly they, they, it, it crept into their laws and, and, and it, they just completely banished, you know, this freedom of choice for women to be able to choose whether or not they want to wear the hijab. And with that came even more severe and archaic laws against women. And I'm ashamed as a man in my society, and I think all men are, because of the fact of how easily we all became hypnotized over the last 40 years and how we allowed this sort of behavior towards women to become so normalized, where they, they completely lost their freedom to choose what they want to wear, their freedom to, to be able to um, leave the country without their husband's permission. The, even an inheritance, a woman gets less than a man. And so much more. Like, it's, it's a joke. Like, women have zero rights. And, like, they have some rights. But, like, compared to men, they have much less in, in Iran. And in Iran, we're, we're the, the, the sect of Islam that we follow is Shia, which we'll get into a little bit later. But basically, I, I just want to wrap up on this first part about Mahsa's death and this, this tragedy and how people have become outraged it's a culmination of, of, of many years of frustration and oppression, starting mostly from like uh, the 2009 Green Movement, where Ahmadinejad had stolen the election, and people were protesting, demanding where their vote went. And it was a very peaceful 
uh, sort of protests and movement where there was three million people in, in the streets in mm. Tehran. And it's, it's, it's such a majestic photo when you look at the photos of that time. And they all were just standing there in complete silence. Like no one saying a word, no slogans. And even wh whatever slogans that existed at the time were, were very political. A couple of years later, there were then um, protests that became more economic over the price of eggs and gas. And then 1,500 people were killed in 2018. And so it's just like this culmination of different movements and protests that are happening. And eventually leading to this point where Mahsa being killed is, is just people realizing that if we do not stand against these oppressors now, we're going to live under this evil forever. I'm sorry if I went off. Uh, I just want no, to no, 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 no. As, as thorough as possible. It's a difficult thing to talk about. And I know there's going to be a lot of things that I say that's going to piss off both the left and the right. But I think it's important that people hear our truths about what's really going on. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not very familiar with what's gone on in the last 40 years. So I might ask for clarification um, on a number of points. Um, and I think people in my audience probably would have similar questions. So one thing is, what's the difference between the government in Iran and other kind of Muslim countries? Say say United Arab Emirates, how are yeah. they different? So Iran is, I think, one of the only two countries in the world that is a theocracy. It's both it's Iran and the Vatican, which are led by a, a, okay. a, a, a spiritual leader or cleric or whatever the highest level of, of their religious authority allows. So in case of Iran, it's like the Grand Ayatollah. In the Vatican, it's it's the Pope. And in, in, in a theocracy, the law is directly connected to divine law. And in the in the absence of the divine law, the um, the, the, the highest religious authority has this this um, ability to interpret the law as he sees fit. So it's 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 okay. intertwined with with um, with with religion, the, the the constitution and the and the laws of the land. But in the in Saudi Arabia and UAE, it's more of a monarchy where um, power is inherited and passed down. So the heir to the throne, etc. Um, and 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 then th that family decides to 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 enforce Islamic law. So it's not literally connected. They, they don't believe in the idea of that this is a divine law that, that is being enforced that is directly um, interconnected within within our rule. Ah. Okay. So that's one of the major differences. So like in Iran right now, for example, the Supreme Leader, as in the New York Times just reported uh, a week ago, he's in, he's you know, he's in, not in a very stable condition. He hasn't come out to talk about the protests yet. He has cancer, he's dying. And okay. this is one of the other reasons I think the protests are still like in this really strange state because it's sparked. It's people are no longer afraid of this man, of, of, of his shadow, of his forces. There's especially the younger generation. They're absolutely fearless. It's just incredible watching how brave these kids are. And I mean, the letters that I keep getting every day, the, the emails that I, the, the messages that they send me is like, you know, we're, these are these are kids who grew up with the internet, mind you, too. Because our generation, as I was saying, you know, is we we grew up with so much fear. Our generation, we grew up with our parents and our schools and our teachers, everybody telling us to not say that we have alcohol in our home or we watch foreign films or we do this or that. There was this constant Orwellian sort of surveillance happening at you at all times. And I grew up in the same. I grew up in hippie town, Eugene, Oregon, you know, and then I moved back to Iran around like ten years old. And oh, wow. 
And one of the first things I noticed was like this, it was a huge cultural shock for me because my parents are very secular, very liberal, open-minded, cool people. And all of a sudden, like, I have to learn to lie from a young age and it becomes embedded in your system to always like have to live this double life of sorts. And I remember one day at school, like one of our teachers beat me up over a Sony Walkman. I was listening to music and being the smart ass that I was, I, I told him, like, I'm pretty sure the prophet, like, you know, never talked about a Walkman in the Quran. You know? oh, I'm sure and that I'll, went over well. Yeah, I got yeah. beat up some more. Oh. Um, so you, you, you learn really quickly of, 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 of how, like, you know, this, this, how messed up this system is. And, but because the, the government and their um, security forces and the revolutionary guards inspire so much terror um, that people just learn to live with that fear. But fear can only affect you for so long. As we see right now, as a point I'm trying to get to about this, this generation of kids, of people who are just, who've had enough. You know, when you, especially when you see the woman burning their hijabs in the streets, yeah. standing in front of the forces without their hijab. This is like bravery to the max. I mean, the courage that these women have to stand defiantly in the face of these security forces and give zero fucks and just be um, completely unafraid of losing it all for what they believe in. It's just, I bow down to them and it's just, I, f I feel so bad that I'm not there with them. And so the least that we can do is to be their voice, is to is to amplify their voices and to share their message with the world. Because it's, this is, Hijab is like the, the is is one of the main pillars of this foundation of this Islamic Republic, and it's been completely broken. This is a huge blow to the Islamic Republic, and this is only the beginning um, of of a much much bigger movement, in my opinion. Uh, I read online that one of the things that have happened in the last number of weeks was the internet was cut off. So, can you talk about what happened there, and is that still the case? Are people able to access the internet? So they continue to cut off the internet usually between like like the hours of like four and six to like later, like midnight and later um, because it's easier to, to control the masses and it, it prevents them from communicating with one another to, to organize because any, any form that, um, that, the, that, that the people can become more mobilized and organized is a, is a threat to them. So they're, they're, they're trying everything they can to circumvent that type of mobilization. And they're getting tired. This is one thing that people don't notice. Like the security force, a lot of them, they don't like, some of them are sadistic, crazy, fundamentalist type people. A lot of them are just normal people who are being paid like a minimum wage to go and beat their fellow citizens who don't want to do it. And mm -hmm. But they're so terrified. They're so afraid if they don't, what will happen to them? And that's why, you know, you have uh, this whole topic around Elon Musk and Starlink. Yeah. And how they're trying to activate that Iran, but there's still like logistical problems of how to get these terminals to Iran, because um, the, the the U.S. Secretary of State, I think uh, Blinken, uh, uh, they 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 sort of said that Elon can activate Starlink for Iran. They, it can go around the sanctions and and all that sort of international law and the clauses that existed. But the problem now is the logistics of how do you get all these thousands of terminals to the people over there so they can have free access to information because. In Iran, we do not have freedom of press. We don't have freedom of information. And without that, it's, it's very difficult for the people to, to share and spread their news to, and, and, and their truths, more importantly, to see what's happening to them. So that's why it's so effective when people with their mobile phones, they come and film everything. I mean, I'm sure you've read about Masih Alinejad, a prominent Iranian mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. 
feminist and uh, activist who, who, who has started this very incredible movement called the White Wednesdays and My Stealthy Freedom, you know, inspiring a generation of women to take off their scarves and very peacefully just take off their scarves, you know, stand in the street or film themselves. And this has been met with an insane amount of uh, uh, aggression and repression from the regime, and they've arrested many of the women who 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 have con who have been active in these um, sort of uh, activities. And not only that, but they're so afraid of Masi. She's become sort of the Achilles' heel. Like it's 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 amazing that you know one woman has has become such a thorn in the side of this regime that they've sent two assassins on American soil to kill her. Wow. And wow. that's something that, that is just insane. And, and I'm familiar with that because I've been threatened many times too. I mean, just to give a quick parenthesis about my story is my father was an environmental activist and professor who was killed in an Iranian prison only a few years ago. Oh. And when we went back to try to get my mom out of the country, my mom was arrested at the hospital, I mean, at the, at the airport, and she was held hostage for two years until we got her out. I had oh to go on like... Gosh. So, so I'm very familiar about the, 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 the repressive tactics of this regime, how they use their propaganda, how they play on the sentiments of, you know, the, the nationalistic sentiments of their own people in order to, to sort of say, oh, look, you know, the West is trying to divide and conquer us, which is bullshit. You know, people are more united than ever against this oppressive force, this, this Leviathan that has been over you know overseeing our our people and terrorizing our people for so long people i mean the breaking of this the pillar of hijab is the first step of of people inching closer and closer to complete freedom but it's in the nature of these autocratic regimes where they just don't give up and they double down every time they've had so many opportunities to make things right but they just can't help themselves you know that's that's the craziest part and it's um the level of violence that they are willing to use in order to to prove that they're you know <laughs> that they're a great government or they don't kill people or all these other things, which is more essentially just to stay in power, is something that I think a lot of non-Iranian people in the West really do not comprehend or understand. Mm -hmm. And this is something that bothers a lot of us because you see people coming and speaking about hijab in a way as if it's a choice. It's not a choice in Iran. In Iran, under Islamic Sharia law, in the Shia sect, I don't want to speak on behalf of all Muslims because I know what I'm about to say is going to piss off a lot of people. Hijab is a symbol of oppression in our country, okay? And what the people want is for them to have the choice to whether or not they want to have the hijab or to dress however the however they want to. I'm sorry, I don't want to swear on the show. Um, it's it's. It's such a fundamental issue that has completely terrified the regime. That, and, and now when the women are, are protesting the street, even now when they're walking around in the day without their hijab, like the, the police like, don't have the balls to do anything to them anymore. This is like, it's amazing mm. how, the, and, and, and it's very sad because the death of Mahsa Amini is, is, wasn't the first. There have been many people who have died at the hands of this regime, my father included. So many people have died at this hand of the regime for the ideals of a better tomorrow, of a better future, of a better country. And she won't be the last either, unfortunately. But it's, it's brought people to this point of realization that what we want and what our demands and desires are are much bigger than this. It's not about just now that we get rid of 
like mandatory hijab. It's going to be much, much bigger because people have realized that if we give in to this oppression, we're going to have to live under this shadow of evil for the rest of our lives. And to my Western friends, you know, I mean, I, I consider myself to be like super progressive and liberal about everything. I mean, the idea is that I don't really care what you wear or how you wear it, but, but and I understand the historical implications of, of colonialism, of imperialism, of how certain miscalculations by the American government, the British government, and other European governments have caused and wreaked so much havoc in the Middle East. No one is denying that. I understand all of that. But when I see people like, I'm looking at you, Code Pink, and other similar like woke groups who cuddle up to these vicious monsters and try to paint them in a picture where they're peaceful people with a different culture. That's absolute bullshit. That's absolute bullshit. Okay? And people want me to say this so the rest of the world can hear this. Don't use this as an excuse. And I'm not, and I'm not being Islamophobic. I'm not, I'm not, even though I deeply dislike all religion, I'm not a fan of religion, but I respect everybody's right to believe in whatever faith they have. The problem is, though, with a lot of religions, specifically Islam, is that this idea of how they always want to enforce their beliefs upon you, especially on women, especially on women. And this is something that needs to be addressed because if, you know, Mahsa Amini was our George Floyd moment. And what did George Floyd do? It brought so much awareness to the issues, the systematic racism, and all these other important issues that people need to talk about and how to resolve them. I know there's a lot of, and I know it's a very divisive subject, and I don't want to get, get into that, but it's the same idea of raising awareness. It's good that people have a conversation, a healthy conversation, without being divisive. But to understand that the people in Iran, do, especially the women, do not have the choice. They, 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 by, by law, they, 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 they're so far behind in terms of the men. So, it's, so when Westerners condone and normalize that behavior, it, life becomes much more difficult. So if you are a true feminist and you're not speaking up right now against what's happening in Iran, you're a complete hypocrite. Sorry about that rant. <laughs> no, no, no. This is this is serious. It's been it's crazy to watch from the outside just the clips that are going around on Instagram and it it's strange because I haven't seen it covered very much and I don't know if it's too soon, but I feel like I haven't seen it covered that much which is strange given how large the protests are. I think there have been protests across the world, though. I think there was a protest in Toronto. That's where I'm from. And I, I think people are protesting everywhere. Do you, think that, do you think that if enough people protest and continue to protest in Iran, this is something that can change? Like, do they have enough, do the citizens have enough power to actually topple this regime? You know, there's a saying and there's a Persian idiom that this camel will finally, you know, sit at your door one day, um, like the black camel, which represents sort of like death or the grim reaper. People, like I said, we always lived in this state of, of, of fear, of this, this, this normalized way of, oh, people are suffering, but as long as I make ends meet, everything is fine. As long as it doesn't happen to me, everything is fine. But it happens. I never thought in a million years it would happen to me. Mahsa, I mean, he never thought in a million years it would happen to her. You know, this, this, this is the thing that 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 photographer who took that photo, who's now in prison, sparked a movement, and now she's what did what 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 did she do wrong? 
the only thing that she did was revealing the truth. The same person, I don't know if you remember, like the Iranians who shot down the Ukrainian flight, the PS-752, um, a couple of years back, and how they lied and denied everything until the last moment when they finally caved in. It's Again, that, that moment, the reason that became revealed was because one person happened to accidentally film the shooting of the plane, and he put it on Twitter. And that same guy got arrested, too, for revealing the truth. So you're seeing a pattern here, obviously. It's like if you speak the truth, you're going to get into trouble in this, in this society. And I think the worst-case scenario, I hope not, but even if, if this time this movement gets cracked down by the government, worst-case scenario, they've broken... Free from they've broken free from the shackles of hijab. Like hijab will be a joke in our country from now on. Like it's there's no way they're going to be able to enforce it on this level anymore. That's like the worst case scenario. Best case scenario, if people stay united, this is like more of a, um, a constitutional. It, it, it's 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 a battle where they people need to to take their time. It's not something that's going to happen overnight. They need to be consistent. They need to tire out the enemy because they're getting tired. They're, they're running out of forces. They're bringing, they're bringing security forces from Hezbollah and Lebanon and Syria to beat up their own people. Ah, uh, okay. So that means that they're getting tired. That means it's becoming difficult for them. And with the sort of semi-conspiracy theory of, of Khamenei, whether he's dead or alive or what's happening to him, because if he does die in the middle of all this, that would just be the spark that would ignite a... a an entire crazy movement, which unfortunately I think will include a lot of bloodshed because there's going to be a power vacuum when he dies and all the different factions that are going to be fighting for power are going to try to stay in that position. So as a, as a cliche goes, before it gets any better, it's going to get much, much worse. Uh, you talked a bit about morality police. Can you describe what the, like, how long have those guys been around for and what do they do? The morality police that sounds terrifying that sounds very orwellian it is and it's it's you know they're they're they've been around for like four or five decades now and they're basically a semi-legal entity and who who, who have this who according to this law called amr Maruf and nayaz monkar which translated let me i've written this down because the english translation um it said it, it says enjoining good and forbidding wrong that's what the English translation, which basically means, you know, uh, the individual or collective duty, depending on the Islamic school, of to intervene and enforce Islamic law. So mm -hmm. what's, what's the problem with this? The problem is just that some person who has any resentment towards a woman or men has some sort of psychological issue or is, is, is sexually repressed, which I think is a, plays a big key in a lot of the... The, 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 the reasons that psychologically push people to commit these types of violence against women. The, the whole idea is that I'm interpreting the divine law according to my grand ayatollah to, to beat the living shit out of you to make you do something right. It's, it's, I, I don't know if people have watched The Handmaid's Tale Iran is literally Gilead in its truest form. Like that is like a, a, a you, you could just film the whole thing in Iran. It's the same thing. Gilead is like is a real place and it's called Iran. And the, the, the problem is that 
you have these kids. It's all a lot of times like some of these moral police are even young kids, you know, who who are filled with this rage and this anger and for, for not being accepted or loved or whatever it is. And to have to give them that authority, that green light to brutalize people, to torture people in all in the name of religion, of righting wrongs. Like it's so messed up and it's so terrifying because the regular police, you can you can bribe, you can reason with them because, <laughs> you know, they're just like getting paid to do a, a shitty yeah. job. They're easily, you can easily bribe them. But these moral police, there's this part of their brain that justifies their, their, their inherent violence and actions because they believe, I think on some level, that they're doing the right thing maybe. Or they're just really, really messed up people who unfortunately wield a ridiculous amount of power. You know, it's it's a very terrifying notion, and we've we've all faced those type of police as as kids in in Iran, and yeah, how common is this? Is this like are are they walking around? What does it look like there in regards to morality police, or what's the risk too of being arrested? So it it, it you know the 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 strange thing is Iran has gone through phases of conservative and reformist presidents starting all the way from 1998 when Khatami first came to power, who promised a lot of reforms but was unable to deliver on any of them. And then Ahmadinejad was more conservative, came into power. You know, he, we, we saw what he did, how he killed the people. And then Rouhani, again, another wolf in sheep's clothing. Turaisi is full on. This is another thing I want to say. First of all, kudos to Christian Amanpour refused to put on a scarf to interview Raisi last week when he was attending yeah. the UN General yeah. Assembly. Kudos to her and shame on Leslie Stahl of 60 Minutes yeah. for wearing a mask at the same time that Mass yeah. Amini had been killed for that yeah. very stupid symbol. That was ridiculous. And she that was sits completely in front, unacceptable. She sits in front of the man who is actually known to be on the death committee which was a death committee of four judges in 1988 that were responsible for the massacre of 5,000 people. This man is our president, the hangman. The same guy who killed all those people is our president, and he walks into the UN talking about women's rights? This is a fucking joke. Like, it's, it's absurd. And the fact that people and governments in the West allow this and shake hands with them, this, is, this reminds me very much of the time when people were appeasing to Hitler, the more that he killed, the more he invaded. Like, oh, no, he'll, he's had enough. You know, he won't do anything more. This is the exact same thing. And what the West doesn't realize, and that I think they've tried to, but in a very inefficient and, and I think a very incorrect way, is that if Iran becomes a free society, a free country, and it, it creates more stability in the Middle East. You won't have export of terror. You won't have export of violence. You won't have all these negative things that are coming from the country because Iranian people are are, are a bright people. They're educated. They're literate. They're, they're, they're passionate about their culture and their history. It's just so unfortunate that we have become, we've, we've been held hostage at the hands of these monsters for the past 40 years. You know, they're, they're just, uh, the, the, unfortunately, there is a, there is a, an, obviously there is a, a, a significant amount of people who are religious in, in the country, but that doesn't mean that they're necessarily fundamentalists in the same view as the government, or they don't believe in, in the violence. Even a lot of religious people are like, just let the woman choose if they want to have a hijab or not. Mm-hmm. But the, the violent minority of them that oppose that idea, that freedom, 
are willing to kill at any cost for the simple act of a woman just showing her hair. You know, it's, it's terrifying, honestly. No, that is terrifying. Um, do you have opinions on why politicians or just people in the West have, have kind of gone along with this and said, oh, it's okay? Even the journalist wearing, wearing a hijab after what's happened, do you have any idea why people are doing that type of thing in the West? I think it's a combination of this um, sort of maybe new... Forget, this is just all subjective personal opinion yeah, yeah, this, yeah. Is, this isn't anything based in fact or science but if i if you ask me i think it's it's a combination of of the the chaos of international politics and how to deal with the diplomacy between nation states um there's the historical context of of again how do we tiptoe around the histories that's been between the countries and then there's the issue of i think the socio-cultural issue of this this new woke movement where um, I think people sort of misinterpret another culture or people um, in a way that it's, you know, it's, it's very strange, I think, the way that um, in the West that, that, that people, um, you know, you have, and it's very beautiful, you have people with hijab on the cover of Vogue or whatever, and people, you know, speaking about, you know, hijab uh, being uh, a symbol of power. But like I said, it's in Iran, it's not. It's a symbol of oppression because women do not have the ability to choose. And I would even argue that most most Muslim women, and I know I'll probably get shit on this, but I think don't have the ability to choose. They're born into this. I, I, if, you, if, 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 if it was up to me, I would say once you're 18, without the influence of your family, your culture, your society, then you choose you consciously choose that, okay, I want to go to a mosque, I want to go to a church, I want to go to a synagogue, I want to wear a scarf, then I would say, yes, it, it, you had the freedom and the maturity to choose that decision. But as a, as a young girl who's, who's, who's taught from a young age that, you know, uh, the gaze of the man or the, the opposite sex is evil, etc., like you should not be ever shown in public, and it's, it's, it just creates, I think, this, this negative fear because... What, what happens around this whole idea is that I think people are trying to create it in this cool, like, hip fashion way of, 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 of empowerment, which I totally understand. And like I said, it's, I have no problems with people wearing their job. I don't care. But it's the people who normalize it in countries like ours saying, oh, it's such a beautiful thing, blah, blah. It's not. Women are, do not want this. Women are being oppressed by this. And until people realize this, I don't think we can really like, move forward with this conversation because it's coming from this bubble in the West where I, I don't think people have a real comprehension of what it's like to live under this immediate threat, this immediate fear of your life being in danger if, you, if your couple strands of your hair just fall out. Like yeah. that, those are the real consequences. These are the real consequences that we're seeing right now of people who, of normal people who, who, who was wearing her hijab, but because of a little bit of it being off, she was killed. So I don't know how anyone can still come and talk on TV and say, oh, you know, it's not about hijab, it's about this or that. No, it is about hijab. Uh, how, how common is it? I think I, I, might have touched on this a little bit, but how common is it for somebody to be arrested for violating hijab laws? Like, 
are are people worried about it constantly and really strict about it or is No, I mean the was, women right now are so much more braver. They really don't care. I mean it's it's but since Raisi the 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 judge from the death committee became president, he brought is in it, him Wait, when you call it death committee, is that what it's called or are you just calling it that? No, that's what it's like commonly known as uh, between the people because of how many okay. people they killed. It's it's what wow. it's histor- historically known as as a death committee. So this man who's our president, who's on the death committee, is now enforcing again all these archaic Islamic laws that have been, you know, sort of. This is the problem with the with an autocratic system. Even those supposed wolf in sheep's clothing reformists who try to make things a little bit better, claim to be moderates, etc. The very nature of an autocratic regime, you know, is, is in a way that it will never bow down to its people's desires and will only enforce what it feels is only best for their vision of, of, of society. There's no winning in this society for us. There's no winning. You know, it's a similar case in Russia and other places, too, I think, where there, where there are autocratic leaders. It's, it's one of those problems that... I think people don't understand that you're not dealing with a democracy. You're not dealing with a a, 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 a president who is freely allowed to, to run and, and, and elect, be elected in, by their people. So I just wish that the West would become more aware of this. They would, in, they would inflict more um, uh, tougher laws, specifically like Magnit, the Magnitsky Act, Magnitsky Act, which would target all these people who are on the higher levels of the government and hurt them in their pockets and put them on no-fly zones and, and just not allow them in any way to be able to communicate with the West. Because all these people, all they have, it's, what's, what's really messed up is they all, all of their relatives and their kids and stuff, they steal their billions of dollars and they live in the West. And it's like, if you, if you love this Gilead world so much, why don't you just stay there? Like, what are you doing on the other side of the planet? I understand why people mm. immigrate, normal people immigrate, because of a better opportunity, better finances and job. But these kids, these rich kids of these mullahs already have like billions of dollars are now living in the West. You know, it's it's and that's another thing that furiates a lot of people um of 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 how the, this this hypocr- this hypocrisy that they have. And they, when it comes to their own families, they they do whatever they want, but when it comes to the people, they inv- they enforce these extremely violent laws yeah this is a crazy situation uh it's crazy it's hard to i i guess part of the reason maybe people in the west have misunderstood this is because it's hard to imagine i think a society like that for people who haven't experienced it at all um what can people do who who yeah what can people do who aren't in iran that's a good question because I think raising awareness, being on your show, having other like celebrity friends, you see everybody talking about this, sharing about this. this is this is our George Floyd moment. This is the moment where we need the world. We stood by, you know, Ukraine. We stood by George Floyd. We stood by Taiwan, Hong Kong. Like we were there when when all these events happened, and we need the world to be our voice, especially the voice of our woman, the voice of all these young girls who are fighting in the street, burning their hijab. I mean. People have to realize the amount of balls, <laughs> balls, the courage it takes, <laughs> the bravery it takes for these girls to go and burn their hijab and their scarves in front of the police in their faces. Like, you, you don't even understand. Like, that's, I, I can't even think of anything more brave than that. It's insane. And in order to 
be their voice because we can't be beside them in the streets. Like everybody in the world has to speak up. I mean, this is this is something that 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 concerns everyone around the world. You know, it's 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 and it's crazy because I, I saw today one of my friends, you know, Christopher Ryan, the who wrote Sex at Dawn. Um, he, he posted some things like, why do old men from Texas to Tehran care so much or are afraid so much of the woman body? You know, and, and I think that's very true. I think regarding that also idea of comparison between, you know, maybe evangelicals in, in, in the West and, and the extremist fundamental Islamists in, 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 the, in, in the East. But it's like the, 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 the woman's body has become a battleground. You know, they should have autonomy over their body. They should have complete control over their body. And if 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 we do not be their voice, if we don't share this news, and and, and I encourage everyone to reach out to as many people as you can, celebrities, pod, get someone to go on Rogan's show. We need someone on Joe's show yeah. to like talk about this. We need we need the whole world to be aware because if there are more people watching, if the more people are raising their voices, it's going to become much much harder for the government to keep cracking down and killing its own people. They know because they, they, they know that they're, they're taking their last breaths and if they want to remain into power and, and, and have some sort of diplomatic, diplomatic uh, a seat at the a, a diplomacy with the world, they're going to have to like lay back down. So I, I urge all people to contact your local representatives, email them, ask them to speak out, contact celebrities, famous people, actors, podcasters, let them know to keep speaking out about it, influencers, whatever, because it, it pressures, because that normal person who's wearing that, 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 that police uniform and beating up his own people right now, he, he has Instagram too. He has Twitter. And when he sees his favorite football player or basketball player or actress or whatever says, like, stop killing your own people, you know, it, 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 it may not have a huge effect, but even if it changes the mind of one person to not kill his, his brothers or sisters in that day, will save one life. So it can be effective. I mean, look at the hash, People keep saying hashtags are pointless, they're stupid. The Masa Amini hashtag has broken like all sorts of records. It's crossed like 100 million or something. Wow. It's insane. I mean, don't, don't quote me on that number. It may have been 10 million. I'm sorry. I don't know. I don't know. The, but I know it's in the top five of ever, like, retweeted a hashtag. So um, these things do have an effect. And the government does watch them. They notice these things. No matter how violent they are. And the way that they react with this type of violence also shows that they're afraid. It shows that they don't know how to handle this situation. And if the world just keeps being the voice of these young, brave men and women who are dying in the streets for a better future. I mean, like I said in the beginning, these, these kids, when they write to me, they say, I got beat up. They send me all these pictures of them being bruised or hit by bullets and whatever, and their car windows smash. And like, Rom, I got beat up today, but you know what? I'm still going to show up tomorrow as well. And I'm sitting here in my hotel room in, in a comfortable AC. It's like, what the fuck am I doing? I, I just feel ashamed even coming here. I... I just want to be able to amplify their voice. I just want to. I just want them to be heard. Their demands, even though maybe some of the things I said today may be insensitive to some, maybe, but it's important that they hear what our truths are, what the people's demands are. It a better Iran is a is a more stable and better Middle East, and it's much better for the whole world. 
do you have any suggestions for people who want to learn more about this, where they should go? Where can they follow you as well? We should add that in there. Um, I'm sharing some stuff on my, my, my Instagram. It's just King Rom. Masiali um, Nejad is a great source. Um, I'll link that below. Yeah. Um, and uh, there, there are other channels and, and political pundits. I can't, I can't think off the top of my head right now at the moment. Karim Sadjopur is another good one. Um, there, are, there are people who um, genuinely are, are, are concerned about what's going on and trying to... It's so hard to because the Islamic... Republic of Iran's propaganda arm is so good at sort of just creating so much disinformation and spreading false news in order to sort of muddy the waters, you know, false ha hashtags, etc. So it's sometimes hard mm. to find like a trusted source. That's that's the way that these information wars sort of work um, in, in in today's world. But um, I just you know just just keep keep you know it's it's a sort of cliche thing in America, but try to read news from all sides. You know, don't just stick to CNN or Fox or MSNBC. Yeah. You know, because it's like everybody has their own spin on the stories as well. To their type of guests, you know, I you know un unfortunately I've seen a lot of you know people who come and 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 say, oh, hijab is not that big of a deal. No, it is. That's that's it's it's all about that, and that's like the first only step towards freedom. Um, and, and once this, this pillar has been broken, which it already has, I think we move on to the next ones, you know, freedom of press, freedom of information, et cetera, and the freedom to, 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 to choose whatever you want to be in, in a society where it's just impossible to live without the government meddling in every single public and private sphere of your life. Okay. Well, thank you very much for coming on. Thank you so much for having me, Michael. I really, really appreciate the opportunity.